You're listening to STEM Essential, an Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council podcast. Hear from leading advocates and voices about why STEM education is crucial for our world today and tomorrow. Welcome, everybody, to Series 4 of STEM Essentials, podcasts featuring some of Iowa's and the nation's leading thinkers in STEM. This series is all about Iowa's STEM decade and beyond. I am Jeff Weld. I'm the director of Iowa's STEM Council. It's an edunomic development initiative where education and economic development merge to improve lives and communities. The people we're hearing from are edunomic developers themselves, commingling jobs with learning. Today, featuring a pioneer in establishing Iowa's STEM network, Valerie Newhouse. She is president of Iowa Lakes Community College, headquartered in Esterville. She began there as a student in 1988, and 20 years later became its seventh president. She is the first woman to occupy the post and the first ever to be promoted from within in 2009. On her way to this role, Val parented three kids while taking courses toward her associate's degree, then her bachelor's at Buena Vista, and eventually her master's in higher education while holding various jobs at Iowa Lakes. A master juggler of the daily schedule, no doubt. President Newhouse is a founding member of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council and a critical role player contributing to today's topic, Built to Last, a Durable Infrastructure for Iowa STEM. So with that, welcome President Val Newhouse. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Well, let's start by inviting our listeners, STEM literate Iowans, young and old, to get to know you just a little bit better than I did in my introduction. Share with us, why did you initially get involved in STEM education at all? Great question. Iowa Lakes Community College is well known for many of its programs, and we had a STEM uh, committee established for, for probably about six or seven years before um, STEM Iowa came into existence. We, um, we were capitalizing on the strength of our faculty. We had great math and science instructors. We also were um, enjoying the notoriety of our wind energy program and some of the great engineering um, uh, curriculum that was infused into that program. We have a long recognized nursing program, agriculture, and many of the STEM um, areas that, that we would like to um, continue to promote. So we started this committee and we had faculty members on the committee from each of the different areas helping to guide our next directions with, uh, with STEM. And lo and behold, the state started the program and Lieutenant, then Lieutenant Governor Reynolds um, with her energy level was so enthused about this. It just made a lot of sense for Iowa Lakes to apply to serve as one of the six STEM hubs. Oh, that is great to hear. I did not know that aspect of the story. You were STEM before STEM was cool. Yeah, yes, yes. (laughs) Let me drill just a little bit into that because it intrigues me that you had a STEM committee uh, before the rest of us thought about it. So I'm curious, what was the impetus back then? Who were the the, the drivers? What was the uh, point or the hope of having a STEM committee at Iowa Lakes? The STEM committee really wanted to do a lot of work with cross-curriculum 
um, integration and making sure that students were aware of the opportunities um, in careers that uh, that were higher in math and science that had a, a high level of technology infused into them. How could we market? How could we promote? And how could we attract students from all areas of our um, region as well as the state to come to us. And so it was just a conversation committee to begin with. And then we started, you know, making headway into the programming that we did. Wow. Um, so that must have been around 2005, 2006, before STEM was on the minds of just about anybody across the entire nation. So kudos to you and your team for your vision to be way out in front of the STEM movement. What was behind that impetus? What were you guys hoping to accomplish there at Iowa Lakes with the STEM committee? The initial goal was to um, cross, uh, go across the curriculum with, uh, with math and science and in our technology fields and make sure that we were attracting students and getting the, the message out to students of the wonderful career paths they would have in, in STEM, STEM fields. And so I can't take credit for it. It was our faculty members who um, started this process. And I believe it was our science faculty members at the time who really took the, took the dive into this. And um, eventually they were able to infuse um, the different aspects into their curriculum. And we were able to apply for like National Science Foundation grants. And um, uh, we had infinity scholars a couple of different times. And that really, really helped our students. Mm. That's so inspiring because uh, faculty who recognize the uh, urgency of kind of an interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary approach to learning STEM, math, science, tech, engineering commingled uh, is definitely the brand that STEM has earned. But that was early. Uh, kudos to your faculty for being on top of that so early. Uh, and, you know, that kind of uh, segues nicely to uh, the question of our council's launch. So a few years later, you note that uh, at that time, Governor Kim... Lieutenant Governor Kim Reynolds was appointed by Governor Branstad at the time to co-chair the STEM Council. He launched in, uh, I believe, July 26 of 2011. And uh, you were an inaugural member of that council and you continue to be, and we are grateful for your service in that way amidst all that you juggle at your home campus. Can you um, rewind the memory banks to that 2011, I believe the first council meeting was Halloween of 2011. I, I remember it was kind of a scary day for me and <laughs> fittingly Halloween. Uh, what was really thinking about the regional hub thing? Uh, uh, here we had a bunch of people in Des Moines declare that there shall be a STEM initiative for the state of Iowa. And you end up on a committee thinking about uh, dividing the state up into these hubs. What was, what was the thought, the logic process behind that? You know, we were we were all thinking and talking about, okay, so there's going to be six different regions. The state of Iowa is pretty big. It's diverse in population. You know, we have some really rural areas and we have some larger cities. And how would this work? And um, what would each district look like? And would, you know, I was excited from the beginning, but I thought, you know, we're kind of on the edge of, of Northwest Iowa and, and North Central Iowa. So I didn't know if we logically could be um, one of those partners. So I was very, very excited when we ha had the opportunity to apply and um, we did receive that designation. Was there a concern relatedly to the setting up of a network? Um, uh, Northwest Iowa, Northeast Iowa for that matter, certainly Southeast, you know, anywhere not central um, could have, uh, 
run the risk of uh, not being part of this train, this juggernaut that is the STEM movement of Iowa. You, you all seem to have addressed the, the fear that may have been out there in the world that uh, this wasn't for some Iowans, it was for all Iowans. And, and certainly in your corner of the state, that must be um, a sensitive and important perspective. It, it absolutely is. We want to make sure we can reach as many students as possible in our area. And so to get the same number of students, we have to hit every single school district and we have to be able to talk to every single faculty member, every single um, uh, principal and superintendent to make sure they're on board. And um, I think that it allowed us the opportunity, though, to to have greater partnerships maybe than um, initially than others maybe did in the more urban areas. And so I think that um, when you're in a rural area, you can do the same thing. It just is a lot more road miles and a lot more, um, uh, it takes a lot of communication. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, we're gonna talk uh, shortly about what has come of all that communication, but before we go into the uh, what has come, I still, I want to dwell around 2011 just a little bit more. I want you to take us into the room, into the smoky room, which uh, might have existed in 2011 when you and, and the committee designed this uh, hub system. I mean, you, Val, I know you've been part of creating things out of nothing before. You've created majors, you've created programs, you've created partnerships there at your institution. And it strikes me uh, that you all created something where there was nothing. There was no statewide STEM network before your committee went into a room and emerged with this model. And so that's always a very precious uh, thing, a, a genesis moment that uh, I think people should pause and marvel over. But in that period where you were all dreaming of what this system could look like, um, was there any concern over how it might function? What were the fears and worries about the design of this thing and whether or not it would fly. You had no idea at the time. You know, I think some of the biggest concerns with anything, you can be visionary, but you always have that little uh, thought in the back of your mind, how will this get funded? How will this be sustained? What will the resources be? How will we hire people? We will need to hire people. It can't just be volunteer committees. Um, oh, what what will those individuals look like? And and um, how do we keep them motivated? You know, so it was a it was a whole lot of that. And I remember also one of the biggest um, components of this is: Does anybody even know what STEM means? And you you hit on that earlier. That was you know there were even um, uh, surveys taken to gain and garner the understanding of the level of um, knowledge of STEM in the state of Iowa, whether it be in school districts or or in communities and homes. So those were some of the issues. <laughs> some of them, I'm sure. Uh, a real leap of faith. You didn't know the answers to a lot of things, but nevertheless, the system uh, needed to be created. And, uh, and here we are today. By the way, uh, since the establishment of Iowa's network system, I know personally, because we get asked all the time to help other states set up similar networks. So recently, Louisiana has created a statewide STEM network. Uh, just earlier than them, Alabama, Idaho, Virginia. Uh, we get asked a lot how the system was designed. I think I'm just going to start forwarding those calls to you, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's, that's really good. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, all right. So the committee system was approved. Um, I think that might have been at the spring meeting. Early in 2012, the system was approved, and we all began 
building uh, the vision into a reality. At that time, as you mentioned just previously, Iowa Lakes Community College saw this as an opportunity, and we are all grateful that you and your college applied to be uh, the Northwest Regional Hub there in Esterville. And I want you also to take us back to the time that you were making that application. You and, and, and other professionals I know assisted you with making the application to become the Northwest Hub. And I'm curious, uh, what, what was in your minds that convinced you this might be a good idea? And then conversely, what were the fears you had in applying to be a hub yourselves? What were the hopes and the fears? Early on, we were leaders um, with uh, K-12 partnerships. You know, in rural Iowa, you really need to depend on your partners in order to get a lot done. And so our high school um, concurrent enrollment, for example, was really, really strong and, and had been for many years. And um, we already had those relationships built locally. And we thought we would be able to replicate that throughout the Northwest Iowa area. We also had good partnerships with the other two community colleges in Northwest Iowa with um, Northwest Iowa Community College, as well as um, Western Iowa Tech Community College. And they were both supportive of us doing this. And I think that helped uh, make, that, make that decision. Our trustees, our board of trustees was on board from the beginning. And um, uh, even though there were some fears, and some of the fears were there's a there's an expense to Iowa Lakes to serve in this role, and that has evolved a little bit, and it's it's become more manageable certainly. Um, but you know we're a small college. Is that going to you know what will the return be? It's always what will the return be from a business perspective, right. and we just thought we can't afford not to take a look at this because we know the impact our faculty members can have. We know the impact that um, our programs can have. And um, we know we have a lot to learn and we could do this through STEM. So it's interesting to think back to those days. I was privileged to have been the executive director while you were making application. And I know that there was competition for the hub role in Northwest Iowa. And it was probably a subtler competition that we didn't even know. I mean, there there was an, at least one other, probably more than one other proposal to serve as hub. But even aside from those throwing the hat in the ring to apply to be the hub, you have a variety of colleges and community colleges and other entities in your midst in the Northwest who, in order for you to function as the Northwest's hub, not just the Esterville hub or not just the Iowa Lakes hub, there was a hope, I think, on everybody's part that not only the Northwest Hub, but all the hubs would would somehow uh, bring them under the tent, as it were. How has that been with uh, would-be competitors uh, that you have, or or maybe still on the journey to bring them under the under the under the umbrella under the tent of Northwest STEM, despite the fact that it's headquartered by you and not them. Well, it's interesting because you're exactly right. There were others who were maybe even a little skeptical and maybe um, thought that it would be better if it were uh, more centrally located in the Northwest Iowa geographical area. Um, they were early adapters to our committees. They came on early. And um, I think our committee is what kept everything going well. And our early um, STEM director, our first STEM director, made sure they had a very pivotal role in helping to guide the direction of, of Northwest Iowa in 
concert with the entire state. And, um, and they know that uh, it wasn't an Iowa Lakes sole Iowa Lakes program. It was for everybody in Northwest Iowa. Yeah, clearly. And I think that made all the difference. And it shows. Now the Northwest Hub has successfully brought into the, uh, under the tent, all the institutions of higher education. And, and many are around the table every few months or every month uh, at the regional meeting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off script and pitch a question to you that was pitched to me by one of those four states. I will not mention which one, but recently I got a call from one of them who has established a STEM network with hubs at higher institutions. And here was a question he had for me. Uh, how do you how do your hub institutions convey this uh, STEM hub role campus wide so that there's there's buy in the the issue this uh, my counterpart was encountering was that there was an institution where all faculty were not necessarily in and that there was competition with the hub for resources for grant writing opportunities for uh, partnerships and how have you made or kept the function of STEM Hub a top priority across colleges, across departments, across faculty? It's the, it's the role of the committee, the Northwest Iowa STEM Hub Committee, as well as our director, and they have done a phenomenal job of bringing in, you know, sometimes when people are concerned and there is competition, you bring them in and you get them more involved and, and um, they all have a different skill set they can bring and pretty soon they're they're adopting it rather than um, competing against it or one another. They, they're they embracing it and it's, it's worked out very, very well. There's been a few hiccups along the way, but nothing of any um, large challenge uh, that I could see anyway. Communication. Communication is key. And we do a newsletter every month. And, you know, those are some of the things that you just have to do, make sure everybody knows what's available, what's out there and what's happening. Well, no doubt there are hiccups, uh, but they have obviously been very well managed. You you operate a thriving hub and and all of Northwest Iowa hopefully um, is taking part uh, in STEM offerings as a result of your function as a hub. But speaking of hiccups, I, I want to go into uh, that early design concept, having served on the committee and now as a hub uh, supervisor, how, how was the early vision or the early hopes in your proposal aligning with the current realities? Uh, do, do they align what you hoped would happen and what is happening? I think it does, and it goes back to the sustainability model, and I will give credit to Governor Kim Reynolds and Lieutenant Governor at the time when this came about, and her team who created the model, um, who endorsed the model, embraced the model, and obviously the structure, Jeff, is really, really important, but more important than the structure is the people. You know, I mean, we've got the exec committee, we've got the advisory council, we've got the corporate partnerships, and all of that has led to the strong base. Um, and it's keep, kept the ball rolling moving forward. So I think it has exceeded, certainly exceeded um, what we envisioned at the time. And part of that is, again, you go back to the concerns, where were the resources coming from? Would they be sustainable? Would they be ongoing? And um, and our legislature has been very supportive. Our corporate partnerships have been wonderful. And then our local districts have, have really stepped up to the plate to help with this. All 
true and all essential boxes to be able to check. I remember the application phase uh, to be a hub, strongly favoring institutions that have pre-established partnerships in the space of STEM and Iowa Lakes Community College, well distinguished in that space early on. And you're so right about Governor Reynolds. I, I do get asked a lot from other states, how is it that Iowa has, has managed to sustain and grow this movement over the decade? And I say, well, first and foremost, it sure helps to have a Lieutenant Governor, now Governor, as co-chair of this initiative all this time, a, a passionate, hands-on when needed, trusting when needed, but visionary leadership every step of the way. You can't, you can't buy that sort of support. That's exactly right. And, and you're another one of those people, you know, you need to give yourself credit. Another one of those people that was the right person for the job at the time. And you continue to be um, doing phenomenal work in your role with STEM. And so we're really, really grateful for your leadership too. Thank you. Yeah, we do have a wonderful team up and down the line. So if you, uh, if you could design the network over again, now that you're you're deep in it, you're years into functioning as a hub for this statewide system. If you could rewind the clock and design an aspect differently, what would it be? Wow, that's a pretty loaded question. If I could if I could design it differently, I I uh, I think maybe um, smaller regions. I think maybe smaller regions. I know that. Um, Early on, anyway, some of the expectations I had, we had on our um, directors of each location, you know, were maybe unrealistic um, as we were building into um, getting the communication out and, and some of those things. So I think maybe I would have broken it into smaller sections at the time, but it seems to be flowing very, very well now. So I don't know if that would have been the answer or not either. Um, I, uh, I think I'd have a, I'd push for more of a, um, a guided pathways partnership from high school to community colleges to higher education in general. I believe that's something that's really, really needed. And that's a, a good opportunity for us in the future to continue to grow those um, connections and, and make uh, sure students are aware of if they do this in, in elementary school and middle school and high school, then they'll be able to transition more easily to the next part of their life because there are so many exciting fields in STEM education just waiting waiting for them. Yeah, point well taken, Val. We do hear occasionally from council members such as yourself and others that we, we, could, we could chain our offerings more purposefully. Of course, you know, the Scale Up Initiative and the externships and the STEM Best Model and the community festivals all wonderful in their own rights, but uh, something of a, uh, of a sequential uh, pathway through the STEM offerings of the council is, is definitely an opportunity for us. Very good. And, and smaller regions, yes, we have asked a lot of our six <laughs> regional managers, who, each of whom cover, uh, I'm gonna guess, between 40 and 60,000 miles of territory, square miles, that is, per region, uh, each with 70, 80, 90, school districts, uh, et cetera, and uh, only possible, of course, because the infrastructure provided by your institution in terms of business office, communications, transportation, logistics, um, and, and faculty support across the system is the only way we haven't uh, really uh, uh, worked these folks to the bone. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And they have a passion for it. You know, I know the ones we have had. We, we're on our third, I believe, um, STEM manager, and she's been with us for quite a while now. And they all were very, very passionate about their job. And just their job as STEM manager provided a stepping stone for each of them to, to uh, you know, something bigger and, and broader even. So they're still impacting student lives. Oh, they sure are. And they are so well taken care of. We're going back to Kari Webb and then yes. Molly Faber and now Mary Trent. And Mary Trent doing a, such a great job. Amazing individual and of individuals and, and partly because they are so well uh, supported by your institution. And that's a lesson across systems, across the other states. Well, let's, uh, let's turn our focus toward the future now, Val. Here we are approaching our 10th anniversary and what an incredible, unprecedented uh, run for a state STEM council to enjoy a decade of existence. But I think it's fair to say we're still just getting started. We still have just a small fraction of Iowa educators and children taking part in our programs and Iowa communities engaged. So we've got a lot of growth opportunity and a, a lot of services yet to provide. And so as a, as a council member, as a hub institution supervisor, as a visionary yourself, Help help us uh, identify some of the uh, some of the potholes that lie ahead if we're not careful, and some of the opportunities that lie ahead if we play our cards right. I'll start with you know some of the, some of the opportunities that I think, and I, I just love the fact that Iowa's STEM program marries so well with the new Future Ready Iowa initiatives. Yeah. You know, the goal of Future Ready Iowa is to build the pipeline, build the talent pipeline in Iowa. Well, isn't that what STEM has been trying to do as well? And the ultimate goal of Future Ready Iowa is to have 70% of Iowans have some post-secondary education or training by the year 2025. That's rapidly approaching and the years tick off pretty quickly. I think some of the biggest challenges, though, is is um, right now we have a workforce shortage and there's a push by students, by families and, and maybe even employers to get those students right out of high school into the workforce. And I would be, I would, I, it makes me a little nervous because yes, that takes care of the immediate need, but it does not bring more skilled workers to the state. It does not prepare more skilled workers for the state. It doesn't prepare us um, in Iowa for our future. Um, we need to do everything we can for that, uh, the, the goals of Future Ready Iowa and STEM, and that's to continue um, education and training. Um, but the, the exciting things that are out there, I mean, the artificial intelligence, the programmable logic, the advanced systems training, cybersecurity, sustainable agriculture, energy itself, the space force, space travel, all of them are tied to the STEM strategic priorities that are in place, which very um, closely partner with Future Ready Iowa initiatives. Oh, absolutely. I am so grateful that uh, Future Ready Iowa and Iowa STEM uh, coexist and dovetail so positively. And, and you're right about the straight to workforce thrust. You live it daily. And uh, for uh, some employers who are starved for talent, and certainly for some candidates who are eager to quickly make a salary, but I think you and I both agree that uh, long-term uh, good of the career, uh, careerists and, and pursuits of jobs and, and uh, moving up the chain of command, as it were, uh, really do call for some post-secondary training or, or credentialing, especially in this era of uh, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and, 
ag agricultural sustainability and and energy these are such emergent fields unlike my high school experience and yours where we could study chemistry physics algebra economics spanish uh and and then uh, get a pretty decent job the uh, thrust toward uh, technology is so strong and so swift so my question to you val is is it a, is it a messaging and awareness challenge we have to awaken our communities to this rapidly changing environment or is it an infrastructural challenge where we we need more instructors we need more equipment we need more creative uh, pathways to competencies uh, what do you think is stem's responsibility in this rapid evolution you know i think it's both it's 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 really a little bit of everything we do uh, struggle more now than we have in, in many years in attracting um, uh, uh, trained, um, qualified instructors. Um, I know the K-12s are experiencing the same thing. Um, it's community knowledge. But, you know, the difference, and I think this is a really good point, the difference between our education, and I always use the term back in the day, um, with, with the courses you mentioned and what our students are seeing now. Students are getting so much more relevance with the education they um, are receiving. And um, it's kind of a, it comes full circle. So they're getting relevance with the education because of the technological components, the, um, the different types of um, hands-on uh, uh uh, technology that they get to have, like with drones or with um, the the reality um, type uh, software that they have in so many different programs, and you need people who are comfortable with that. You need people who are trained in that, and and in order to continue to provide that for students. And I think um, what they're getting for relevance um, is far superior to what we had, and I think it'll go a long way in keeping students on track to um, the different STEM careers. Isn't that the truth? I know you and I both walk the hallways of our institutions and wish we could wind back the clock and be in some of these classes. The work that's going on, the quality of the instruction, the application, the relevancy. Absolutely. And Future Ready Iowa, again, um, uh, partnering with STEM um, and through the different programs of Future Ready Iowa, Guided Pathways is one component. Um, the apprenticeship, the internships, you know, all of that continues on with what STEM was doing with the building blocks and getting students um, to see what the different careers are in the businesses and experience it um, without reading about it in a book. Um, there's funding now for the high demand, high skill and high paying career fields for community colleges um, with the last dollar scholarship through Future Ready Iowa. And I believe that um, they're, uh, uh, they, together they provide a stepping stone into the future career opportunities. Some of them we don't even know about yet. Mm, right. So true. And closely related to the last question I want to bounce off of you, these fortunate young Iowans and the assets being brought to bear to prepare them for uh, productive, successful careers. Um, if uh, there, there will be a lot of Iowans listening to our discussion, I hope, and maybe if uh, in our wildest dreams, perhaps every Iowan listening into this conversation. For those who are listening in, Val, is there a, an overarching message or an idea that you would plant in their minds? You'd have you know 15 to 20 seconds of every ear in the state what message would you relate having to do with STEM council work and STEM futures? 
I think um, the most important thing I could say is STEM education for Iowa, for all Iowa students is critically important. Uh, we can't just look at today. As I mentioned before, we have to be instilling these transferable STEM skills into our programming for our students at all levels. We need to um, make sure they're prepared for today, for tomorrow. And again, what I said before, for the future that has jobs that we aren't even um, sure what they are yet. Um, but yet, if we give them a good base of um, um, problem solving skills, of leadership training, of um, communication, and um, the experiences that the, that the STEM uh, fields provide students now through technology and um, the workforce, we're going to do a much better job. Well said, and a fitting note to wrap up on. This is Valerie Newhouse, president of Iowa Lakes Community College. Thank you for your lighting of the backstory and the road ahead for Iowa's outstanding STEM network, our system that delivers services to every corner of the state. You, President Newhouse, and your college are exemplary partners, and I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jeff, for your leadership with the STEM initiatives. This has been episode two of our fourth series of STEM Essential podcasts featuring the voices of edunomic innovation, brought to you by the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council and sponsored by another wonderful partner, Alliant Energy. Thank you for listening and join us next week to hear about the return on investment with our lead evaluator, Dr. Aaron Hyden. Today's and all STEM Essential podcasts are available at iowastem.org forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to STEM Essential. This podcast is generously sponsored by Alliant Energy, a proud partner of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council. To learn more and find resources, please visit iowastem.org.